Hello, this is Malia Warner. Welcome to Power Principles, the podcast. Today is episode 50. What is your word for the new year? Do you or do you have anyone in your family who loves working with wood? A few years ago, we stopped on our way traveling from Utah to Arizona to visit one of my uncles in Fredonia, Arizona. This uncle loves woodworking. He had recently acquired a lathe, which is a machine that keeps the wood rotating so you can carve, sand, drill, knurl to shape and create the design you want. He gave us one of his creations. We still have it sitting on our bookshelf. He loves making beautiful creations out of wood. What would you think about becoming a word worker this year? Today's podcast episode is all about acquiring tools and knowledge to help make beautiful creations out of word. Hi, my friends, and welcome to episode 50, the last episode of the year 2019. This week, we ring in the new year 2020. Isn't that such a cool date, 2020? And of course, with a new year, we think of New Year's resolutions. Aha! Maybe you feel dread for the New Year's resolution, or maybe you're excited about your New Year's resolutions. In either case, there are a lot of feelings and emotions and thoughts surrounding closing the book on the year 2019 and starting the year 2020 with blank pages. Maybe you feel regret that something didn't happen in 2020. Maybe you feel frustration that you didn't keep last year's resolutions or the resolutions from the year before that. Or maybe you feel exhausted at the thought of starting all over and having 365 more days to wake up and repeat the same mundane tasks that make up ordinary life. Except in 2020, there are 366 days Hooray! One more bonus day to brush my teeth, make my bed, and put on deodorant. Woohoo! On this episode, I'm going to explain why New Year's resolutions tend not to work. If they work for you and you're excited for your New Year's goals, that is awesome. Do not let me be your Debbie Downer. I'm going to offer an idea that you can use as an alternative for setting New Year's resolutions or that you can do in addition to setting New Year's resolutions, and that is choosing a word for the year. On this episode, I'm going to share some of my words from past years while explaining why choosing a word leads to more effective, positive change by the end of the year and share some ideas for how to choose your word. For years, I set New Year's resolutions. I felt obligated to set New Year's resolutions. It was tradition, or perhaps I had had a lesson in church about it, or maybe I had heard or read a motivational speaker talk about the importance of setting goals. And so I would set resolutions, and I always dreaded it. Usually my resolution was something to the effect of vowing to set my alarm to wake up at 6 o'clock a.m. every day to not hit the snooze button to get right out of bed and have a set morning schedule with exercise and scripture study every day. And what would happen? Well, you can pretty much bet that after a long two weeks of wrangling sugar-hyped kids and holidays, that by January 2nd, when my alarm rang at 6 o'clock, I unplugged it and threw it across the room. So one day in, and I had already failed. I did this for years, 
And did I become a disciplined person who wakes up at 6 a.m. without pressing snooze? No, I became a person riddled with guilt and self-loathing for my lack of discipline and my inability to stick with my goals. Let's talk about why New Year's resolutions tend not to work. There are a couple of inherent problems with the traditional way that we go about setting our New Year's resolutions. First, our New Year's resolutions often focus on breaking a habit or creating a new habit. And in this way, we focus on an imperfection. What we do is we take a camera zoom lens and we zoom in on our weakness, where we think that we fall short, because we believe that self-improvement is about changing our imperfections, right? Don't we believe that the way to become a successful person is getting rid of the things we aren't good at? Rather, I would propose that true personal growth comes from embracing our imperfections. It's self-awareness of knowing ourselves and using our weaknesses in our favor. When New Year's resolutions focus on micro imperfections, we lose sight of the big picture of the things that we really need. Here's an example. Think of a man or a woman who decide that they want to become a supermodel. So they stay home every day working on not getting pimples because to be a supermodel, you have to have flawless skin, right? And they never go to auditions because every day they're at home working on not having zits. Meanwhile, hundreds of other people are out getting modeling jobs with their acne because you don't need to get rid of every imperfection in order to move forward and be successful. Here's a thought-provoking question. Are your goals nitpicking at things that aren't important and essential for you to grow? Maybe you don't need to lose 20 pounds to be a successful person. Maybe you are good as you are. Is zooming in on perceived imperfections holding you back from your real potential and setting you up for failure? My goal was to wake up at six o'clock every day. Was that necessary for my personal growth? No, it actually set me up for failure because every year I set that goal, I had babies in my house. And when they barfed in their bed and I was awake with them crying, that was outside of my control. But according to my New Year's resolution, I still had to wake up at six o'clock a.m. What I needed at that time in my life wasn't a regimented morning routine. I needed flexibility. I needed to give myself permission to sleep late after a rough night with teething infants. So micro nitpicking can cause us to lose focus on the bigger picture and what we really need. A second reason New Year's resolutions often fail is they focus on an outcome, on a result. If you have listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that one of my favorite all-time quotations is, it is not our achievements, but our efforts that perfect us. It is not the results, the outcomes, but just how we show up that matters in our life. Trying to begin in January with the end result already finished can be exhausting and overwhelming. 
For example, if your New Year's resolution is to lose 30 pounds, you wake up on January 2nd with the thought in your mind, I have to get out of bed and lose 30 pounds. It's like eating the whole elephant in one bite. You know subconsciously that even if you get out of bed and work out for an hour, that you aren't going to lose 30 pounds. You probably won't even lose one pound. And maybe you work out every day for a week and you still haven't even lost one pound. And so when you're not seeing the end result, you feel like a failure and give up. Another example is if your new year's resolution is, okay, this is the year I'm going to write my book. So January 2nd, you sit down to write and it doesn't go well. You can't think of what to write. You don't know where the book is going. The words coming out sound so bad. And even if you succeed in writing one paragraph or even one page, at the end of your session, you haven't written your book. So you feel like a failure. And then the next day you battle with your brain again about whether or not it's worth it to sit down and write when you are so far away from finishing the book. And then all of the other things that come up in life take precedence. Another example is having a New Year's resolution to learn to play the piano. Maybe for a solid week, you practice every day. And after a full week, you feel you've made so little progress that you're so far away from being able to play the piano that you throw the whole endeavor overboard. So having a New Year's resolution that focuses only on a big result or a big final outcome can be so overwhelming that it actually sets us up for failure. A third reason New Year's resolutions tend to not work is we often choose a resolution of something that we think that we should do, not that we really want to do. I didn't really want to wake up earlier. I would have much preferred to sleep, but I thought that that's what disciplined, successful people do, right? The scripture, early to bed, early to rise. And so I thought that I should be waking up earlier. What I really wanted was to feel more organized, more productive in my life, more healthy and more worthy spiritually. I learned that I can be organized and productive without waking up at six o'clock AM every day. Some of my most productive moments happen in the morning while I'm lying still in bed. And I've learned that I'm far more productive when I've had enough sleep. So today, sometimes I wake up early and sometimes I sleep late. What can happen is that we develop a false belief that personal progress has to feel hard next to impossible. Or we believe that personal growth can't happen if I'm choosing something I genuinely want for myself. Think about it. Have you ever set a New Year's resolution to sleep in an extra 30 minutes every day? Probably not, because we believe goals have to be hard, dreadful, and probably unattainable. This is not true. It is possible to change. It is possible to grow personally, to become the person you want to be without feeling agonizing dread about the process. In fact, it's nearly impossible to affect change as long as you feel miserable about it. Negative emotions keep us stuck where we are, getting the same results. If you have a New Year's resolution or any goal that doesn't make you feel a bit giddy with excitement just thinking about it, then you are probably setting yourself up for failure. So we've talked about three reasons why New Year's resolutions tend not to work. 
One, that micro nitpicking on perceived imperfections causes us to lose sight of the big picture. Two, that thinking about a final big outcome or a final big result can be so overwhelming that it prevents us from taking the small steps to get started. And third, that we often believe we have to choose a resolution of something that we think we should do and not choose things that we really genuinely desire for ourselves. Next, let's talk about the power of choosing a word. Why choosing a word works. And then I'm going to give you some ideas for how to choose your own word. Several years ago, I took a class at Education Week by the marvelous Sherry Mills Johnson called Faith by Word. And I learned this idea of the power of our words. The idea of choosing a word stuck with me. It just simmered. I mulled it over. And then a few months later in a writing class, my writing teacher gave a lesson about I decide. And this lesson about the power of I decide stuck with me so much that it's actually the first episode of this podcast. And if you haven't listened to it or haven't listened to it in a while, that's a good one to go back and listen to the power of I decide. And I knew that would be my word or words for the year. I decide. At that time in my life, I was so bad at making decisions. Ask my husband. I was a deliberator. Even worse, I was a teeter-totterer. I would go back and forth and back and forth weighing all the pros and cons from every angle and fretting and stewing about what might possibly happen if I made the wrong choice. I did this all day, every day. And not just about major life issues like whether to buy a house or have a baby. I did this about whether to buy the name brand or generic brand of canned green beans. During writing class, my teacher gave the example about how some people say they want to write a book and it gets hard and it takes longer than they expected and they realize they aren't very good at it. So then they decide they're going to be a singer and they repeat the same scenario and discover they're not very good at it and it's harder than they thought. So they decide they aren't meant to be a singer and so they're going to be a photographer. Something about that lesson was a big aha moment for me. I realized that so many times in life, it's not about choosing the one right thing, but about choosing something and making it right for me. At the time of this lesson, I was really frustrated about trying to find time to write and be a mom. And I was finding myself thinking that I couldn't do both well. And then I would blame my kids for having needs and preventing me from writing, or I would blame the housework or blame my husband, etc., etc. And I realized I decide I get to figure it out. I get to decide if I want to order McDonald's for dinner and then take the time I would have spent cooking and cleaning up to write. I decide what family things are important to me. I decide if I'd rather have carpet that is vacuumed every day or have words that are dumped out on paper. I finally realized that I don't have to live my life or keep my house according to some imaginary standard. It's not up to my neighbors or my extended family what my life or my house looks like. It's up to me. I get to decide the life I want. And that year, I practiced making decisions. And throughout that year, I felt a shift. 
I started to understand that life wasn't all black and white, that it wasn't about right and wrong decisions. It was about making choices. And somehow that released me from this paralyzing fear that I had about making wrong choices. I became more willing to take risks, to choose something and go for it. And that even if it didn't go well, didn't mean that I had made a bad choice. What was important was that I was making choices. That was the year I decided to write a blog. I just wanted a place where I could write about my ordinary family life in a creative way. At the end of that year, I decided to write my story of postpartum depression. And those weren't things that I finished in one year. In fact, I'm still working on my book about postpartum depression. That year, the year of my I Decide, I felt such a positive forward momentum towards personal growth, much more than I ever had setting specific New Year's resolutions, such as waking up at 6 o'clock a.m. every morning, that I don't set New Year's resolutions anymore. Instead, I choose a word for the year. I still make plans. I don't call them goals so much, just because the word goals carries a lot of negative baggage for me. Choosing a word feels like opening up space for a lot more possibility. So let's talk about why words work. We're given a big hint about this in the New Testament in the Gospel of John chapter 1 that reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him or by the word. And without him or without the word was not anything made that was made. All things were made by word. Without word, nothing was made. In word was life. Think of a word as a seed. Words are the seeds of creation. Words are thoughts planted so they can grow. The moment you plant a word, you will be amazed at what shows up in your life to help teach you about the word, to provide opportunities for you to practice or develop that word. Your understanding will deepen, your character will grow. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Choosing a word is a declaration that you are ready for teachers to appear. And you don't have to wake up at the crack of dawn every day or run a marathon. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. Just choose a word and see what happens. Be witness to the miracles the universe sends your way. Here's a hint. The secret fertilizer is your feelings. Practice feeling good when you think about your word and you will accelerate your growth. Lastly, how do you choose your word? I think choosing a word is like trying to find your lost keys. When you're trying to look for them, they stay hidden. When you relax and don't stress about it, then they appear and you just remember that you left them in your jeans pocket the day before. I do think it's intuitive. I think by simply opening the question, by just asking, what is my word? That you'll know. Your body, your spirit know what they need. But here are some hints, some guidelines, especially to help you avoid your subconscious choosing a word that would lead to self-sabotage. First, 
Your word will feel good. When you think about your word, you'll feel excited, open to possibility. There is an exception to this. One year, my word was money, and I knew it needed to be money. I was discovering that I had a lot of limiting beliefs about money. And when I chose the word, it was hard for me to even think the word money in my mind. And that year, I had to practice thinking money and having good feelings about the word money. So maybe the word you choose isn't something you naturally have good feelings about, but the goal is to have good feelings when you think about the word. Another hint is that it should not be a should word, not something that you feel like you should be or you should do. Follow your instinct. Trust your natural desires here. Don't choose someone else's word for you. Don't choose a word that you think someone else wants you to become. An important guideline here is make sure your word fits. Choose your word with humility, which means honest assessment. What is your life right now? Be very real about your reality. Did you just deliver triplets? Then probably it's not your year to start a business and I wouldn't recommend choosing entrepreneur as your word. You might need to choose the word survive. Have you had a major life transition? Are you recently single? Have you experienced a death or divorce? Maybe it's not your year for the word achieve or success. Maybe it's the year for the word faith or hold on or heal. Sometimes maybe the word you really want isn't the word for you right now. When you ask the question, what is my word? Trust your body and spirit to manifest your core needs. They will show you the most important thing first. Maybe you don't want slow to be your word for the year. Maybe you'd rather have the word fast be your word for the year and continue to train for your marathon, but you have some physical complications that you need to take care of first. Take care of your core needs first and the rest will come. How will you recognize your word? You'll know it. You'll feel a click or an aha, or it might be a time that you choose a word and move forward with blind faith, and that's okay too. Then how do you remember your word throughout the year? So many ways. You can write it on the cover of your journal, put it on a sticky note on your mirror, in your closet. Mostly I think it just comes from holding onto it in your heart and in your mind. My first year of choosing a word, the year of I Decide, I pulled out an old silver CTR ring that I hadn't worn for a while and I started wearing it on my right middle finger again. And CTR stands for choose the right and I would feel the ring and remind myself that I wasn't focusing on choosing the right, I was focusing on choosing a right. I was focusing on making a choice. And so when I would find myself in a situation where I was deliberating and hem-hawing and going back and forth, I would feel the ring on my finger and think, decide. I decide. I get to decide. There's not a right or wrong. It's up to me. I'm just going to make the best decision that I can in this moment. And wearing that ring for the year helped me to focus on making decisions and exercising choices. And I became more confident in my ability to make decisions. 
There are now places online where you can order a piece of jewelry with your intention word on it, a necklace or a bracelet or a ring. In fact, as I was scripting this podcast, I looked up and there are a lot of online movements and information about choosing a word for the year. I'll leave a couple links in the show notes. You can go to oneword365.com and join a tribe. Find people who have chosen the same word that you have and you can get on social media with them and, and create your own little word club. So all kinds of things available and options to take this as far as you want. I like to keep it simple, pick a word, and let it simmer for the year. So I hope this episode has been helpful and has empowered you with tools and knowledge and ideas of how you can go forward in 2020. And rather than nitpicking on a perceived imperfection, to instead choose a word that is growth-focused. Instead of thinking about things you can't do in 2020, think of all of the possibilities, all of the things you can do. Instead of focusing on losing weight, think the word vitality or the word energy or vibrant or healthy or strong. Maybe if you have heart disease and you need to lower cholesterol, instead of resolving to not eat red meat and high fat, think instead of the word heart. Imagine your heart And notice what comes into your life that helps your heart to be healthy. It's magic. You'll do more to help your heart by thinking the word heart and feeling good about heart than by setting all kinds of rules and limitations about what not to eat. And who says you have to start on January 1st if you don't have a word yet? All is well. It will come. So what's my word for 2020? My word for the new year is listen, which I think is ironic because 2020 relates to vision. And Santa gave me reading glasses for Christmas, which I didn't think was very funny, but oh my goodness, I love them. Santa must have noticed my squinting. I just thought everything was getting printed in smaller font. But no, my word for the year is not about vision. It's about listening. I have this feeling there's, I'm noticing, I'm observing in my life that there is a power that comes in pausing. So maybe my word isn't so much listen as it is pause. I want to observe myself with curiosity over the year about how I listen and how I react and to become more aware of that moment of pause, that moment of space. So that's my word. That's my intent. Pause, listen. I'm excited for you to explore and discover your word. Maybe you don't really need to lose 30 pounds. Maybe what you need is confidence. Maybe you need to hold yourself differently to take more decisive action, to be brave, to choose yourself. When you choose an empowering word, you are going to notice a shift in your lifestyle and your behavior. Maybe what you need isn't an action, but an attribute. I hope the tools we've talked about today are like a wood lathe to help keep your word spinning, rotating, while you carve, shape, and create the life you want, the life you were meant to live. The power of choosing a word is how the word creates positive 
incremental, sustainable change. So happy word working, my friends. My best wishes and words for you in 2020. This is Malia Warner. Thank you for listening. I'm excited to meet you back here for our new season of the podcast. Remember to leave me a review and I will send you a 10 minute bonus thank you video on the power of visualization, which includes a section about my 2015 word money and the miraculous thing that happened that year from choosing and visualizing my word. So take a minute to go into ratings and leave me a review. Send me a message that you've left a review and I will send you this thank you bonus video. Happy new year, my friends.